Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 13. And uh, I'm excited about this morning's uh, message because... Not only did the book, uh, again in the introduction, uh, point towards that, but uh, the song this morning that the choir sang, uh, we'll keep serving Jesus till we fall down at his feet. Uh, That pledge of allegiance, that determination that we're not going to quit, we're not going to give up, we're going to continue to serve the Lord, is going to be something very clear in this morning's message. But last week, uh, I just want to recap, if you were here, you'll remember, if you weren't here, uh, these are the three points that we saw, very important Truths for Jesus' day, but truth still important for our day. Number one, the gospel will face opposition, and the gospel is facing opposition. Uh, if you have shared the gospel a- at all in, in, in recent time, whether it's been the last couple weeks, last week, uh, last month, uh, in, any time in this last year or last couple years, you know that it's not super popular to share the gospel with people. Um, it faces opposition, and that's why point number two is important for us to understand as well that the gospel will be rejected by many people. Um, One of the things in our outreach training that I always encourage our our church with, and it's not really encouraging, it's it's a discouragement, but it is encouragement in the discouragement. Um, And it's this, I mean, we've we've knocked on doors, we've witnessed to people, and the overwhelming majority of people, unfortunately, have rejected the gospel. And there's been a, a small minority accept the gospel. And again, that's discouraging, but it's encouraging for us to continue on knowing that truth that Jesus spoke, that there's only a few people that are going to enter into everlasting life. There's only a few that are on that straight path, that narrow road that leads to everlasting life. But there's many, he he said, that's on that broad path that leads to destruction. Again, that's very discouraging. That's very disheartening for us to know that so many people are going to be spending eternity in a lake of fire that's reserved for Satan and his demons. But again, as we are the messengers of the gospel, we are the the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we have to be encouraged by the fact that everybody we talk to about the gospel, everybody we share the gospel with is not going to accept it. And so we need to realize we're just to be faithful to share it, faithful to give it out, faithful to pray for those people and to care for those people enough to share it. And then the third one is this, and this is where we found those encouraging points, that the gospel will still work. The gospel absolutely still works. Matter of fact, last week we had a young lady who had been raised in church, uh, but God had been working on her since she was a young girl, and even specific the last couple weeks, and she came to me after service last week and said, you know what, Brother Kyle? I need to get saved. I need to get saved. I, 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 I'm not saved, and I want to get saved. And so uh, Brother Jeffrey and Miss Ashley sat up front after service. Almost everybody was gone, and she knew what she needed to do. She needed to surrender her life to Jesus Christ once and for all. And so after the service yesterday, a young lady was born again in the family of God. She wasn't willing to risk what eternity looked like without Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this, eternity without Jesus Christ is going to be misery for all eternity. And so again, it's not worth risking that. But the gospel still works. It works for those who've been going to church their whole life. It goes for those who have never heard it before. The gospel still works. But we saw some things that were important in that. We've got to pray for people. We've got to pray for ourselves. We've got to actually do it. We've got to actually share the gospel. It's not some idea that works just by default. But we are the messengers. You encounter people I will never encounter in my life. But you encounter them, and God has entrusted you with the gospel and given you the privilege 
to share that life-saving, life-changing gospel with those people that I won't encounter, that Brother Jeffrey, that Brother Mike, Brother Turner, the elders of this church, the leadership of this church will never encounter, but you will. And you have the gospel to share it with them. And so we've got to share it. We've got to care enough to share it. Uh, we've got to be faithful and committed to those things. And so very important points uh, last week that we saw. And as we move forward in this study, again, I'm excited because uh, this is going to be very applicable for men and fathers, but for everybody across the board. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for, again, our fathers. Thank you for men who have stood up and determined to live their life as much as they can within the greatest uh, ability they, they can. Uh, according to your will, according to your word, to live a life that is pleasing to you, to, to, to have a marriage that's pleasing to you, to, to raise families that are glorifying to you. And Lord, I, I thank you for those men that, uh, that have been in my life, that have been in this church, that, that I've been able to see. And uh, Lord, we thank you for those that, that are still standing strong today uh, for your glory and for your name, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that if there are any men, any fathers in here this morning, that they know in, in, in the depths of their heart, they know that they're not striving uh, to live a life that glorifies you. They're, they're, their life looks more like a life that's uh, what they want, according to what pleases them. And I, I pray that you would remind every single one of us who, who claim the name of Jesus Christ, uh, that when we said yes and we accepted your free gift of salvation, your blood was put on our account, and we were purchased by that blood. And we were no longer our, our own but we're yours, bought with that price of the precious blood. And so this morning, move in the hearts and the lives and uh, the, the families of every man, every father here, but more than that, move in every single one of our lives today. As the, you tell us in your word, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Lord, I pray that we would be receptive. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's lost, that is doing life, living life day to day without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, that they'd realize that eternity is far too long and the lake of fire is far too tormenting and, and destructive uh, to reject Jesus Christ one more day. And that they give their life to you once and for all today and enter into that eternal life. Have that promise for all, all of their life that they're going to spend it with you. And uh, Lord, we pray that you move. Just use me as a vessel so that you're glorified in you alone. And we'll praise you for all these things, Lord. We ask them all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles in Luke 13, uh, we are going to pick up in verse 31. And so Jesus, the same day, uh, he, there, there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. Now this is interesting because we, all that we know so far in our journey with Jesus is the Pharisees don't care about Jesus. At first they did. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to, they wanted to hear what this... This leader was doing and what he was saying and why he had such a following. They were interested in it. But when they realized that he had come to completely destroy their whole system, he had come to, to completely destroy a man-made religion, they didn't like it at all. They, matter of fact, we saw that they, they, they were looking to see how they could catch him in something wrong to accuse him of blasphemy, uh, to get rid of him once and for all. So when we read that there's some of the Pharisees came to him and said, hey, you need, you need to leave because Herod's after you. He's going to kill you if he catches you. Uh, it seems like they care, but that's not at all the case. I, don't, I believe that's the case. Uh, the probability of them being sincere is, is very, very low. What I do believe, according to Scripture and in context, is that they were doing this in pretense. Uh, they were doing this, you know, uh, trying to deceive him that they actually were caring about him. He, again, they didn't realize he was God in the flesh. flesh. He knew their hearts. There's no way they were going to deceive him, but they come to him in this pretense to try to cover up their actual desire 
to get rid of him. And so they said, hey, uh, you, need to, you need to get out of town. But here's one thing that's, that, that, that needs to be made known, is that Jesus had already made it public that he was going to Jerusalem. He had made public what his desire was. Not only that, his response to them shows very clearly that he knew that they were in co- cohorts with uh, Herod. He knew that. Look what he says to them in verse 32. And he said to them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be, uh, I shall be perfected. See, what Jesus was making clear to these guys, he wanted them to know this 100%, is that he had a mission to accomplish. And it wasn't necessarily uh, chronologically that he was talking to them, but he was talking to them in a very clear way that he had a schedule that was based on a goal or based on a mission. In other words, he wasn't saying, I'm, I'm going to be in Jerusalem in three days. He wasn't necessarily saying that. In fact, he was talking about a progression that would take place in his ministry that would lead him to a goal, again, the goal being what he was doing on this earth. Nothing, no one was going to stop him from reaching this goal. And he states that. Look in verse 33. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Now to these guys, I mean, that probably just stirred up the pot a little bit more. They were, they were probably, uh, you, know, <clears throat> you know, gritting their teeth and growling and, and, and murmuring to each other. But Jesus made it very clear what his goal was. A prophet can't perish outside of Jerusalem. His goal very clearly was death. And specifically, it was the cross. Jesus' cross, Jesus' goal was the cross that he would die on to suffer in our place. And the product of his accomplishing that goal would be everlasting life for mankind through his death and through the resurrection. What, what an amazing mission. And, and to me, I, I think about what, what determination for something so tragic. You know, in our lives today, we set ourselves in, in, in determination for certain things, but most of the time, those things in our eyes are good. I, I, I'm going I'm to be the best at my job so that I get this promotion. I'm going to be the best uh, at this so that, my, uh, that people appreciate me. I'm going to determine to do this and so that people look at me and give me applause or whatever the case may be. But that's a lot of times what we set ourselves to in this life. Jesus' determination His goal, what he had set himself to do, that not Herod was going to deter him from, the Pharisees were going to deter him from, his goal was the cross to die on for us. What love. What what amazing determination for something so tragic. And so when I think about Jesus' goal being Jerusalem, the cross for us, when I think about those things, it makes me think about how much of a privilege It is for us to daily bear our cross and follow him. See, back in chapter 9, we've already gone through this. That's what he said our goal was to be as we follow him. And that's not something popular today. That's not what a lot of churches like to preach and and a lot of of people like to propagate because it doesn't necessarily put a bunch of people in the seats when 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 you preach what Jesus said following him looks like. Because I'm not going to come up here and preach and say, listen, all you need to do is pray a prayer. 
all you need to do is, is, is do those things and then and you, you should be good. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said nothing about that. I want to see what he said again and remind all of us very clearly what Jesus said in chapter 9. Look in verse 22. He says this, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things. Again, this is you know, four chapters before. He told him now, you're not going to keep me from going to Jerusalem because a prophet can't perish outside of Jerusalem. But four chapters before, he says this. The Son of Man is going to suffer many things. He has to. And be rejected of the elders, chief priests, and the scribes. That was, that's happening in chapter 13 now, already. And be slain and be raised the third day. That was the goal. That was the mission. He already spelled it out for him. This is what I'm coming to Jerusalem to do. They're trying to deter him. Don't go to Jerusalem. Herod wants to kill you. Hey, go tell that fox that I'm going to Jerusalem. That I'm going to heal. I'm going I'm I'm to do the things that God sent me to do. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to die. Because a prophet can't perish out of Jerusalem. But look back in, in chapter 9 there. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me. So the invitation's open. Here, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, I have the way of eternal life. If you want to follow me, look what he says. The first thing he says, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself, but look at the next thing. And take up his cross daily and follow me. What does the cross symbolize? The cross symbolizes sacrifice. The cross symbolizes death. The cross also symbolizes liberty. Because without the cross that Jesus died on, we wouldn't have liberty from sin. We wouldn't have, be free from sin. And so when we think about daily taking the cross that we are, are called to bear and following Jesus Christ, it means sacrifice. Not only denying ourselves, but it means sacrificing whatever it takes to follow him. It means bearing shame because the cross was a death of shame. It means bearing the shame for his name to follow him. It means sacrificing even our own life also to follow Jesus Christ. That's what bearing the cross every day. So he says, if you want to follow me, you've got to every day deny what you want. Every day you've got to pick up what I want, even if it costs everything. If it costs your own life, your own family, your own job, your own health, whatever it costs, you've got to be willing to take up that cross and follow me daily. Not just be willing, but you have to do it. Because he explains this in verse 24. Because whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what's a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? Some things we can learn from our Lord today, again, very important points, starts with this first point. Don't let anything or anyone keep you from the cause or keep you from the cross. Don't let anything or anyone keep you from the cause. And that includes yourself. That includes myself. There's, there's nothing or no one should keep us from the cross that we are called to bear every single day. Nothing or no one. Not money, not a job, not your family, not your own personal desires. Nothing should keep you from every day saying, Lord, I am not myself. I, I'm not my own. I'm giving my life today to you again. I'm bearing the cross. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to talk to, I am all yours. And I'll take that no matter what it costs, no matter what, no matter what I have to give. That's daily bearing the cross and following Jesus Christ. But we can't, as our Lord did, and we can't allow anything or anyone keep us from this. 
Every single person who's a Christian in here knows that every single day we face struggles. We face obstacles. We face even attacks in our Christian lives. But we've got to take this mind that Christ had to, to, to keep the goal before us every single day, no matter what. And for Christ, the goal was paying the ultimate price for our sin. Every single day, we've got to do this. The Apostle Paul had it. The Apostle Paul was a man. Yes, he was saved. Yes, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was called an apostle, but he was a man just like you and I sitting in here, standing here this morning. He was a man. He wasn't God in the flesh like Jesus. So we, we see an example of an actual man who has surrendered his life by faith on the Damascus road and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Takes him to Damascus, gives him his sight back, and immediately Paul began to preach the gospel, immediately began to serve God. And along the path, he, he, he gained some enemies as he was following Jesus Christ. He gained some people that wanted to, to kill him, and they did stone him, and they imprisoned him. They beat him. They told him to quit, or we're going to kill you. Paul faced the attacks. He faced the persecution. He faced the obstacles. He faced the struggles as he was following Jesus Christ. And as he was going back to Jerusalem, there were elders that tried to keep him from going back there because they knew, you go back to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you there. And I want to look at what Paul's response was after he had already been shipwrecked. He had already been forsaken. Some of his, some of his missionary team had said, you know what, it's just too hard. We're going to go back. Another one said, you know what, I love the pleasures of this world. I'm going to go back to this world. Uh, others just, just deserted him. He, again, he was in prison. He was stoned. He was beaten. All these things happened to Paul, and yet he continued to follow Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 20, we see his response to these elders who had come uh, from Ephesus Look what happens in verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, called the elders of the church, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I had been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, and have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit under Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me. You know what he's saying? Because I know what's going to, I don't really know what's awaiting me there, but I know the Holy Spirit's revealed every city. I'm going to be afflicted for Jesus Christ because it's not popular. And so I'm going back to Jerusalem. I know that there are probably a bonds and afflictions waiting me there. But verse 24, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I've been beaten. I've been forsaken. I, I've gone through so much. And all I've done is, is serve Jesus Christ, share the gospel. And I've been persecuted. I've been beaten. I, I've not had... The, the good life. I haven't had the abundant life that modern day preachers are saying that everybody's supposed to have. I've not had that life. And when I go back there, the chances of my life being ended there are very high. But I want to tell you something, he, he said. None of those things move me. I'm not deterred. I'm not pushed off course. I'm not discouraged that that may be waiting for me in Jerusalem, that probably is waiting for me. None of these things move me. But look what he says here. 
This is revealing that Paul was willing to take up his cross daily and follow Jesus Christ. Look what he says. Neither count on my life dear unto myself. That's what it was. Paul simply saw his life as a vessel. It was purchased by Jesus Christ. And so he had no more rights to himself. He had no more rights to live the life that he wanted to live. When he accepted Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, when he said, I put my trust in you, I accept your free gift of salvation by grace, I'm trusting you, Paul in that moment says, I realize now I've completely let go of all rights to my life. I no longer have the right to, 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 to lead my marriage the way that I want to. I no longer have the right to lead my family the way that I want to. I no longer have the right to live my life from day to day the way that I want to because I'm no longer mine. I've been bought with a price. And so I'll take up the cross and I'll follow you. I don't count my life dear to myself because it's hidden in Christ. Look what he says. And the reason why, he gives the reason why. So that I might finish my course with joy. In the ministry, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify, of the, gospel, testify the gospel of the grace of God. I, I want to I say this. If, if you are a Christian here today and God has given you a, a ministry to serve him in, there's two ways that you can, you can serve him and finish in that ministry. You can do it with sorrow or you can do it with joy. Paul, Paul's idea of finishing the ministry and having it with joy was to give his life. To have given everything he could give. To have laid out everything he could lay out. To sacrifice everything he could sacrifice. To give his life for the cause of Christ. That's in his mind how he could finish his course with joy. And don't we have it backwards in, in, in our modern Christianity? In our modern Christianity... Finishing the course with joy means finishing the course with as much comfort as possible, right? That's what it means. I mean, we think about how we can just kind of cruise into the latter years of our life and, and, and not serve the Lord as much as we did when we were young because we did so much when we were younger. No. The Apostle Paul's mindset was, I'm going to give everything to my last breath. Because he gave me everything. And he called, he called me to, to carry the cross and to follow after him no matter what it costs me so I don't count my life dear to myself. And so I want to finish my course with joy. He, he said that to the Colossians too. He said in verse, uh, chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 21, And you that were sometimes alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. It's talking about Jesus. To present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled, look at, listen to this, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Look what he says furthermore. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. What in the world? It, some, some people would call Paul crazy. Why were, you so, why were you so embracing of the sufferings that you were encountering for Jesus Christ? Because Paul kept the cross of Christ in his mind every single day. That's why I believe that. I believe Paul could continue to say, I will embrace the afflictions. I will embrace the persecution for Jesus Christ. I'll continue to preach the gospel. And, and if it costs me all my life, I'll still count it joy. The reason why is because I'm keeping that image of my Lord on the cross before me every single day. He suffered in a way that, that I deserve to suffer. 
and he suffered in a way that I could never suffer. And he did it all for me. And so every day of my life is a day that I'm to be living as a living sacrifice before him. No matter what it costs me, no matter what I have to give up, no matter what I have to start doing or stop doing, my life is no longer mine. It's not dear to myself. I have to continue to do that. And so look what he says. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Did you get what he just said? He was talking about the church. He was talking about local churches like this. He was talking about the overall body of Christ, the church. He said, you know what I'm doing? I am, I am whatever might have been lacking in Christ's sufferings. If, 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 if it looked like there was anything left, I am taking the sufferings for his body's sake. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single child of God had that mindset towards the church? What can I give up? What can I do? How can I serve more? How can I I give more for the body of Christ? That's what Paul just said. He said, if it costs me everything, if I have to endure the afflictions, then let it all be put up in my account for the body's sake. For his body's sake, he said. For his body's sake, which is the church. How, how, do we, how often do we have that mindset? Or do we always, or do we typically have the mindset, what can that church do for me? Every single one of us, starting with me, going to the newest member, every single one of us should, should have the mindset that Paul had. What more can I give? For your body's sake. What more can I do to, to, to serve, even if it costs me affliction and persecution? What more can I do? Paul was given it all. He goes on and says, Where have I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God? Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints. Philippians chapter 1, I love this. Verse 27. Only let your conversation or your way of life or your conduct, how you live your life, that's what it means. Only let your way of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He says this is the only way that you should be living your life as what is fit matches up with the gospel. Whenever we say Jesus is the only way, that those who have put, placed their faith in Jesus Christ is no longer there, their own life, but they're his, they're to be following in his footsteps. He says that's how you should be living your life. Only let your lifestyle be as it becomes the gospel of, of Christ. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast. Listen to how he says this. I want to make sure that when I hear uh, you, the Philippian believers, you, the Philippian church, I want to hear something, whether I come there and see it myself or I just hear of it through, through, through the grapevine or through letters. Here it is. I want to hear that you stand fast. How? That you stand strong. You stand strong, he says. How? In one spirit, with one mind, striving together, here it is, very easily, for the faith of the gospel. That's, that was the goal. He says, here, Philippian believers, this is what you need to do. Make sure you live your lives in a way that matches up with the gospel. So that way you're not just preaching something and living something else. That your lives match up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no matter wh- whether I'm there or hear it, Every single one of you, every member of, you, of that church, that you're, you're together, you're standing fast in one spirit, you're standing firm in, in your mind, striving together, all together for the faith of the gospel. 
And then he goes on and says, and nothing terror. Don't be worried about your adversaries. Why? Because if they're, if they're an adversary to that unity, if they're an adversary to that unity, look at, listen to what he says. It's an evident token of perdition for them. It shows that they're sinners, that they're lost. But to you, it's a salvation and that of God. Listen to what he says. Because it's to you, it's given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, listen, but also to suffer for his sake. What, what an amazing mindset. There's nothing in this life that's promised uh, uh, by Jesus Christ uh, that, that when we get saved, everything's going to be a bed of roses. And so, well, maybe you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And you're saying, man, you, you're, not, you're not being very convincing of me giving my life to Christ because you're talking about if I give my life to Christ, I'm going to have to give everything up. And if I give my life to Christ, I may have to go through affliction and bad things in this earth. But you have to remember, Jesus did that first to purchase your salvation. This world is full of sin and the consequences of sin. But here's the good news. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so we may be here just for a little while, but there's an eternity not just 10 years or 50 years or 100 years on this earth. There's an eternity beyond this earth. And that's the life that was purchased for us by Jesus Christ. And so if it's a couple years, a few years that we have to suffer and we have to go through negative things and face those things in this life, it's nothing compared to what Jesus did for us and what he gave to us for all of eternity. And that takes faith. That, that takes trust in Jesus alone and in his word. But we will have to suffer. There, matter of fact, if there's not anything that we're giving up or sacrificing in our life for Jesus Christ at this point in time, we need to really check whether we are his or not. Spurgeon said this, I wish that all saints would cling to Christ half as earnestly as sinners cling to the devil. Did you hear that? I wish that saints would cling to Christ half as earnestly as sinners cling to the devil. If we were as willing to suffer for God as some were willing to suffer for their lust, what perseverance and zeal would be seen on all sides? Amen. That, think about that. But maybe you're here and you're saved and, and, and you can remember what your life was like before Jesus Christ. And you, you, you would go through all kinds of misery, whether it was alcohol that held a hold of you, and you went out there to, to pursue that lust of alcohol, and, 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 and boy, it would, it would take hold of you and enjoy that pleasure of sin for the season. But what happens the next morning? Afflictions. <laughs> Bad afflictions. Headaches, and, and even maybe the, the nausea and, and, and vomit, all the, the, all the afflictions. And yet, what would happen? People turn around and do it again. Pursuing. The lust and, and clinging to those, even if, it, even if it hurt them and damaged them and, and hurt their marriages and hurt their kids and, and destroyed lives, they would continue to pursue after that lust. And that's what Spurgeon was saying. Man, if the saints of God would pursue after Jesus Christ half as much as sinners pursued after the lust, man, what an amazing perseverance and zeal would be seen on all sides. So my question is this, what's standing in the way of you following Christ? and carrying the cross daily, the way that we see in Scripture. Or maybe this, what have you allowed to come before him and his church, his cause, 
You can't separate this church from the cause of Christ. You can't separate any church that's truly Jesus' church from his word or for his, from his cause because we are his body. We are the vehicle. Or are you following Christ the way that we see? The scripture says that every Christian is to be following Christ. Maybe a deeper question. Is it costing you anything to follow him? Are you denying the flesh? Is it very clear in an area of your life or areas of your life that you're denying yourself? You're denying the world, you're denying sin? Or this morning, do you find yourself following Christ at your convenience? When something or someone else comes up or comes along the way, it's not a big deal that I'm not at church service this time. It's not a big deal that I, I tell that person Jesus about Jesus this time. It's not a big deal that I, that, I, that I do this or I serve or I'm a part of this or I'm, I, I, I'm in my place in my ministry this time. It's not about convenience. It's about a cross. William Wilberforce, who's a leader in England uh, in the, the abolition of slavery in England uh, hundreds of years ago, he said this, Our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work. No. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Again, he was undeterred for you. He was undeterred for me. He went to that cross. He, 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 not by threats, not by persecution, not by death. And he went all the way. So how easily are we deterred this morning? We need men. We need fathers to stand up, to be counted as the people of God. Biblical people of God says, you know what? I'm not going to let anything or anyone, every single day of my life, I, I'm not going to let anything or anyone stand in the way from me pressing forward on the goal. I'm going to pick up my cross, no matter if it costs the pain, no matter, no matter if it costs me shame, no matter if it costs me any, everything, I'm going to follow Christ. The opportunity's here. And so I pray we don't miss it like the religious crowd missed it in Jesus' day. Look on in our text, we move forward. I'm going to hurry, verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Point number two this morning is don't miss the opportunity to respond to the word when you have it. We saw this a little bit uh, Wednesday night. The Thessalonians, we were, we were talking about them and looking at them. And we have an opportunity right now in our day and time to have the word of God freely read, freely preached. You can share it. You can have it. And, and, and this morning, you're hearing the word of God. We're going through it together, hopefully gathering together in unity around the word of God. And we have an opportunity to respond this morning because we can look into this and we can see the word of God and we can say, okay, you know what? The truth is, is I'm not daily taking up my cross and, and, and following Jesus Christ, regardless of what it costs me, regardless of the sacrifice. I'm not putting him, his church, first. I'm putting me and myself first. And we can respond. Or we can miss the opportunity and go on. It's been said that opportunities are often disguised as problems or obstacles. 
That's what happens, right? In our, in our Christian life, sometimes we see the problem, sometimes we see the obstacle, and, and, and we say, I, I can't do this because of this, or I won't do this because of this, or we see the problem, we see the obstacle, and, 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 and we limit God in that moment. So, well, the, the pastors want us to, to, to serve more, to, to lay down our lives more, all of us together, to have that same mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're all supposed to be together. We're supposed to be serving Jesus Christ first and foremost and, and, and living that life together. But I can't because of my, I can't because of this. The obstacles, the problems are concealing opportunities because so many times when people say, I can't give more or because of this, or I, I, I'm afraid to, to, to serve more. I'm, I'm afraid to, 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 to start being a part of that, that outreach. I'm afraid of this. I'm, I'm worried about that. What if people, people that's what we approach uh, these circumstances, these, these ways what we're missing is just behind that may be an amazing move of God in our life and not just in our life but in our family not just in our family but in our church and all we see is the problem all we see is the obstacle well, I can't do that because if God's called for it we should respond that way because despite the obstacles and the problems there's an opportunity it might just be concealing an amazing work of God. I saw this verse Wednesday night in James chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to, sleep, slow to, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive it. Respond to it. And that's what he says in verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any man is just a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like and goes his own way. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, listen to this. This man shall be blessed in his deed. I, I want you to highlight that, underline that, mark that down, circle that in your notes, whatever you got to do. Because that's a promise of God. When we hear God's word and we respond to it in faith, regardless of what the problem looks like, regardless of what the obstacle looks like, regardless of what we're telling ourselves or somebody else is telling us, if God said it and God commanded it, then we can by faith trust that if we do it, he's going to keep his end of the deal. And so the Bible says if we hear the word of God and we do the word of God, we will be blessed in what we do. Because it's according to God's will. It's his word. The days are passing faster and faster. Time is being chomped up. The end is drawing nearer and nearer. And opportunities for you and I are all over the place. But the truth is, is they come and then they go. And sometimes they're gone forever. Opportunities to respond in obedience to God's word. And so what's the big deal? If I don't respond today, I want to tell you what the big deal is. It may be the difference of your kid following Jesus Christ the rest of their days or not or your grand your grandkid and so well I mean I don't necessarily have to make that major change in my life right now who says because it's a daily giving up yourself a daily taking on the cross and following Christ because if you don't it may be the one opportunity that you miss that costs you dearly in this life the opportunities are coming and going and we need to make sure that we respond to the Word of God when we do my challenge to you in this is this. Are you helping pull the rope? 
Are you helping pull the rope or are you just part of holding the rope? There's a lot of people, I believe, are holding on to the rope in this, this, this war for the souls of man. I believe a lot of people are in the line, you know, the tug-of-war line, and there, there's people that are holding on to it. But there's some people that are fighting with every single bit, every single energy in them, they're sacrificing, they're taking up the cross daily, and they're helping pull the rope for the cause of Christ. My question to you is this, are you helping pull the rope? Are you just holding on? Well, I know I'm going to heaven. I got the rope. I got my section. That's not what we're called to do. Help pull the rope. And finally, point number three is don't forget the Lord always keeps his promises. As I said in James chapter 1, this man shall be blessed in his deed. But if you look back in our text in verse 35, behold, your house is left and you desolate. Verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And at that point in time, it's going to be too late. It was already too late for the religious crowd of, of that day. They had already missed it. Jesus had told them, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou which killeth the prophets, I, I would have gathered you under my wings, but you would not have it. And so now your house is desolate. Now you're empty. Your spiritual house is desolate. I don't know about you, but I, I'm a husband, I'm a father. To hear those words that your house is spiritually desolate would be heartbreaking. In Jerusalem, the religious crowd of that day, they were spiritually desolate because they had the word of God there in their midst and they chose to reject versus respond. What a miserable truth that Jesus just spoke. But it's the truth, as I said, we need to not, not forget that he always keeps his promises. And that is for the good and for the bad. That's for blessing and for judgment and correction. Second Peter chapter 3, as the musicians make their way, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but it's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy living and godliness, looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and without, and without blame or blameless. You know what Peter was saying? He said, listen, this world is going to pass away. All the works, people toiling for riches and things and, and all those things, it's going to be melted away. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Those of us who have Jesus Christ know this because he said this. And just because the time is being prolonged, it doesn't mean that he's not keeping his promise. It means that he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. So knowing the promises of God are true, knowing these things are going to come to pass, how should we live our lives? blameless and holy, living according to God's word, taking him, at, taking him at his word that he's going to keep his promises. That's how. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul was telling Timothy, for which, things I, uh, which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. Why am I not ashamed? Because I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what I go through, it, it, it doesn't matter in this world because Jesus is coming back 
and he's going to take me to be where he's at, that's his promise. I'm not, I'm not swayed by anything else. And finally, in Romans chapter 4, verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. He considered his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, talking about Abraham, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that, he, that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I love that scripture. I love that scripture. So my question is this. When we stray from that obedience, being doers of the word of God, when we stray from that, does it not reveal lack of confidence in the Lord keeping his promise? And I would say, yeah, it does. When we say, I know what God commanded, I know what God called me to do, I know what God's word says, and when we say, I have a choice today to take up my cross and to deny myself and follow him and obey his word or do my own thing, I have that choice today. And when we choose to do our own thing versus do what he called us to do, to me, that shows that in my heart and my life and you and your heart and your life, if that's what you do, it shows that I don't have a confidence that God is going to keep his promise. That if we're a doer of the word, that our deeds will be blessed. And I don't know about you, but if there's a choice between correction or blessing, you guys know where I'm going. I want blessing every single time. I know what it feels like to be corrected, and it's not fun. If you've ever been corrected by God, you know it's not fun. And if you haven't, and you know you're not in right fellowship with God, you know you're not denying yourself and following Him, then I, you, here's the warning sign, here's the yield sign, here's the stop sign. You better stop, turn around, and go His way. Because correction is kind of, if you're truly a child of God, the Bible says that in Hebrews. But if you're without chastisement, you're illegitimate. And you have no father. But if you have chastisement as a child, if you're living your life and you're not being obedient to God, and God is correcting you, that shows you that he loves you enough to correct you, to bring you back to right fellowship. So this morning, I want to challenge you with these three, these three things, so important. This last one, remember it. God keeps his promises, period. If he says this is how blessing's gonna come, that's how it's gonna come. If he says this is gonna bring about correction or judgment, you can promise that it's gonna bring about judgment or correction. But don't forget he always keeps his promises. We need some, we need some men this morning. We need some dads this morning to say, you know what? I'm gonna take these three things. I'm not gonna forget them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life in a way that glorifies God. I'm going to lay it all on the line every single day. I know it's hard. My flesh pulls. The, the, the world pulls. It, it's hard. You know, I, I get distracted sometimes with stuff. I get distracted with my work. I get distracted with money. I get distracted with the things that I want to do. But God, I realize you laid your life down for me, and, and I want to lay my life down for you. And I want to give it all to you so that you can just continue to pour out blessings in my life. And I don't want to see the the... the the, the obstacles and the problems in me doing that. I don't want to see them as such. I want to see them as opportunities of me saying, God, all right, God, here's another place where I can trust you. And so I'm going to trust you. And see if God doesn't take that problem, that obstacle, and, and, and an opportunity that, that you see and, and just pour out an amazing blessing in your life and your family. But we need the men. We need the, we need the dads. We need the granddads.
to make that decision. Just like Joshua's, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to serve the world. We're not going to serve ourselves. We're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to take his word and we're going to follow it. And that's the way it's going to be. But we know leadership is influence. So dads, we can't just say it. We got to live it. We can't just come down to an altar or say it in a, in a family meeting. This is the way we're going to do it. You and I have got to live it. So let's live it. Let's, let's do what God's word says and take him at his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this challenge this morning, but also the encouragement in it. We realize that we may suffer in this life, but it's just for a short while. God, and there's nothing that can compare to the sufferings you, you took on our behalf. So let us take up our cross daily and follow you. Let us deny ourselves as the men, as fathers in this room, but also as, as every Christian, as, as young people, women, mothers, across the board, all, all through this room, I pray this morning, God, you would move our hearts. That maybe we come down to this altar and we say, God, I want to give you more. I feel like I've been serving you out of convenience. I feel like I've been serving you according to what I feel like I can do for you. And I'm really not laying down my life every day just saying, use me up. Lord, move our hearts this morning. I also pray that you would move if there's someone here that's lost, that they would count the cost. They can live this life for just a few short years, a few more short years, and experience the temporal pleasures that comes along in this life. But as soon as they leave this life, if they leave it without Jesus Christ, they're going to spend an eternity in a lake of fire that's tormenting, that never ends. There's no hope. There's no relief. There's no help. There's no break. It's forever. Lord, that they would see that this preacher loves them enough to, to warn them to say something like that. Without Jesus, that's what they're going to experience. But with Jesus, they could accept the free gift that you've provided for them. They could leave this place knowing that no matter what happens to them from this point forward, they're going to spend eternity in paradise, in a place that you're preparing for your, your people for all of eternity, without hurt, without tears, without sorrow, without any, any pain or affliction, or perfection in your presence. So Lord, I pray you move in the hearts of those that may be lost in need of a Savior. I ask you to just move now in Jesus' name.